Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So, as John mentioned last night, um, I wanted to go over the sutta that we did last night, uh, the beginning part of the Satyatana Sutta. But first, I want to just go around, especially to the new folks, and online and, and here, and just ask you guys what you noticed when you directed your mindful attention to the sensation of breathing in the body. Um, so if anyone, Laura, we'll start with you. If anyone wants to add to that, that's fine. Uh, yeah, you're asking what happens when we meditate in the mindfulness. Is that that's the question? Yeah, what happened today, now, when you directed your mindful attention to the sensation of breathing in your body? I would say that a sense of... Um, self-referentiality kind of it's like it it's kind of i don't have that anymore it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of hard to describe but like an out-of-body experience like you don't the world doesn't revolve around you it's like you're just aware of what's happening the breath that kind of thing like there's no self-referentiality anymore it's like gone sounds like an in-the-body experience Yes. In the body experience. <laughs> uh, thank you. That's excellent. Um, Tom? Good morning. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, I have to keep coming back to the breath in the body. Even though I've been doing this for a while, the, the mind still wanders. And Every time I, I find myself in, absorbed in that, uh, I do have the sense of calm. And then this time moves by very quickly. It seems as though the five-minute uh, five reminders uh, come just a second later. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think, you know, something you said was very important in that that quality of absorbed and absorption is junk, is a part of what we're cultivating. So when when we, and like Laura said, when we become absorbed in the sensation of breathing in the body, the habits of the mind turn down, are interrupted. So what both of you are describing is the first foundation of mindfulness. Um, Mateo or Slav, you guys want to contribute to this conversation? Just talk. You go, Slav. <laughs> I go, okay. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's like a, it's a, just a clarity of mind is one of when I do meditation is like one of the few rare moments 
that I really feel proud. So that there's the important thing in what in there is that you really feel present. It's it's not it's not a an idea. It's not a it's not a thought. There's there's a an actual quality of the body, the mind united in the body that is present. That you interpret that way, correct? Yeah. Thank you. Salam. Uh, actually, I was a very good meditation section and uh, a lot of destruction. But at least why it's good, because I noticed I have destruction when I come, try to come back to my breast. So it was kind of like struggling. I push myself. And uh, funny parts, I noticed this. Yeah, so I, I, I guess I can say I was present. That's excellent. Um, I don't know if you guys could hear that so well, but... Um, Slav, you noticed, you noticed the distraction. You noticed distraction arising. You noticed the sensation in the body of distraction arising. You notice the sensation in the mind of distraction arising. Were you able to, even for just a moment? Mm, yes. Yeah, it's actually what is uh, good parts. I, I struggle, but I push myself. I push myself, and I even see I'm struggling. I see how I push myself. So this was, uh, I guess, good. I mean, some. At some point, people said, oh, it probably was bad meditation, but in my case, I say it's probably very good because it's a lot struggling, a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I don't see it. Yeah. And uh, the sensation of reading. The whole time that those sensations, sound and thought, and all the while, the entire time, the sensation of breathing is still happening on its own. It's always there as the anchor to come back to what's occurring now in the body. Dustin, what about you? Well, right away, I noticed that I hold my breath a lot. So trying to breathe deep is an issue. And then thoughts come up. So then I try to take those, I try to go away from the thoughts back to the breath. But then the whole mental thing about not breathing deep becomes an issue. So then I try to breathe it into my stomach, and then I realize I'm all mental about breathing. Now. <laughs> so no matter what, I'm mental. <laughs> Awareness is the first step. Yeah, yeah, and, but, but I'm still going like, okay, so just like do what he talked about last night. Like if I can just go like breathe in and out and just like be here for a moment, like yeah, be sure. here now, you know, just say things like that. Um, and then I try to go into a little bit what we talk about, like. If I am like, like if a thought comes up and it gives me a feeling, like what does that feeling feel like? Where is it in my body? You know, I stood, I did a little bit of that, but that's all still mental. You know, yeah, yeah. every once in a while I go, okay, go, don't do that. Go back. So, <laughs> don't. <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on, but it still felt relaxing, and I felt like, um, you know, I could sit the whole time. I didn't feel agitated, like I wanted to 
So that gets into both the second, third, and fourth foundation. Matt, if I could. Where the quality of your mind. And so, you know, one thing in another sutta related to this, the Buddha talks about in the Anapanasati Sutta, he says, don't, don't get into what the breath is doing. If, if the breath is long, the breath is long. If the breath is short, the breath is short. You don't have to manufacture breath. It's, it's arising and passing away on its own. Yeah, Matt, if I could. <clears throat> Dustin, I was going to ask you, why do you feel you need to take a deeper breath than you are able to in the moment? Is that, do you feel that's a, that's a, a part of meditation practice? I got you. <laughs> however, in jhana meditation, however you find your breath is is how your breath is, and that's all that we connect with. And I and you said it, I think you realize that anything beyond that is is a um, a distracting manipulation of your breath. Uh, and the only reason I ask is there's many practices that do that do teach a meditation practice based on the length of your breath. In other words, to to to, to manufacture a long breath or a short breath or this or that. And again, however we find our breath in any session is is what we connect with. Thank you, Okay. Interesting morning. This morning, because I usually have my coffee after. This time I have my coffee before. Morning doesn't make a where normally it's, you know, breath, land, breath, land. <coughs> it was breath, land. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I still noticed that this was quality of the mind. Yeah. Um, and I struggled with the, you know, jhana for a long time. Wanted it to be a certain way. <clears throat> And um, as as Lon said, it it can be a struggle. After a while, you realize that it's just a process. And it's just a process. As you struggle with it, you're already distracted. (laughs) You can see it as this is the process of Jonah at this time for me. That's what it is. Yeah, jhana, jhana meditation is so both the, the again, aspect. Please, Matt. Oh, yep. Go ahead, John. No, I gotta say, jhana meditation is includes the struggle and the return, or the recognition that we're distracted, and we come. That that is how we develop concentration. In other words, just being caught up in your thoughts is not bad. You're not doing it wrong the recognition that you are is doing it right. And I, I don't I don't think I've ever come across anybody, including myself, that decided to meditate for a half an hour and started breathing and never had another thought. And I don't think Siddhartha Gautama did that. It's an ongoing practice of remi- noticing that we're caught up in our thoughts and come back to our breathing. Both components are jhana meditation. Important to remember that. We can we can start sabotaging our jhana practice by judging the fact that we have to do it 
when we have to do it because we want to do it. That's one thing, just to touch on briefly before we start. Uh, did anyone notice judging themselves about thoughts, about feelings, about sensations in the body? <laughs> yes, I did too. Well, flesh out kind of what your experience. I've always explored that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, we talked about this just briefly last night about the four noble truths and. The second noble truth is our contribution to stress that's inherent in the world is from craving and clinging. So judgment that comes up through thought, feeling, sensation, the type of breath that we're having, these are our contribution to stress in, in, in the case of sin. So instead of finding our breath as we find it, at a different point of the day, morning or evening, we simply are aware of our breath, whether it's longer or maybe it's shorter after coffee. <laughs> Either way, we are interrupting the process of our thoughts getting in the way of our breath. And it takes a lot of practice, but this is probably the fact that longer it sits like that, right? But yeah, it's, it's, it's natural for you to go through that in the beginning and maybe at the end. passionate observation that 
I'm not taking it personally that thoughts and feelings and qualities of mind are changing. That's just what's occurring. So we're going to get started. Yeah. Well, Thanks, we, everybody. Remember that, that the, what the purpose of meditation is in this practice. It's solely for the deepening of concentration. And that can be um, a subtle distinction uh, from what most people enter meditation and are usually taught, that meditation is about creating an experience, maybe even a so-called spiritual experience or some grand insight into, into all things. It's not that. It's, it's a very specific and simple thing, concentration. And as soon as we, we find that we're not concentrated on our breath, we simply come back to our breath. And in that way, we're deepening concentration. So again, it's two components. We assume going in, it's a, it's a given that we're doing meditation, jhana meditation, to deepen our concentration. So we're not as well concentrated as we could be. I got an interesting question a couple of years ago from a, an online student at beginning in meditation. And he said, why did the Buddha keep meditating after he awakened? And I, you know, I, I never thought of it that way. And of course, my answer was, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't anyone? So the goal isn't to meditate to get to a certain point in our mind where we can stop meditating. Meditating is what we do as awakening and awaken human beings. It's for deepening concentration, or it's for the, the soul experience of deepening concentration, which is the same thing. I'm caught up in a thought, let me come back to the sensation of breathing. And it's just that. Thank you. Thank you, All right, let's revisit this, as John mentioned yesterday, we're going to start with the Satipatthana Sutta, um, establishing the first foundation of mindfulness. Um, mindfulness of the breath of the body. And how does one remain mindful? These are the Buddha's words. And how does one remain mindful of the breath and the body in and of itself? Finding a secluded spot, the shade of a tree or an empty hut, sitting erect with legs crossed in front, placing attention on the breath. Remaining mindful of the breath, breathe in and breathe out. Mindful of the breath, long or short, breathe in and breathe out. Training yourself to be sensitive to the breath and calming any bodily fabrication. Ever mindful, calming the body with each in-breath and out-breath. And I think everyone described that, that they felt calm in their body as they attended to the breath. Remaining mindful of the breath in the body. Mindful of the in-breath and the out-breath, the arising and passing away of phenomena with regard to the body. Sounds, thoughts, feelings, mental fabrications, qualities of mind. In this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to the body. There is sensation. There is sensation in the body, coming and going. In this way, one remains mindful internally and externally in regard to the body. With no self-reference, calmly noticing there is a body. Remaining independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. When walking, be mindful of walking. When standing, be mindful of standing. 
When sitting, be mindful of sitting. When lying down, be mindful of lying down. In any function, be mindful that there is a body. When going about, looking this way and that, be fully mindful. When bending or reaching, be fully mindful. When practicing Qigong, be fully mindful. When carrying a bowl or a cloak, be fully mindful. Or a parson, or whatever it is, a bag of dog food. When eating, drinking, or savoring food, be fully mindful. When eliminating waste, be fully mindful. When walking, standing, sitting, sleeping, waking, taking, talking, or silent, be fully mindful. In this way, one remains mindful of the breath in the body, the in-breath and the out-breath. In this way, one remains mindful of the breath in the body, the arising and passing away of the body, independent of and not clinging to anything in this world. Just as a person with good eyesight, emptying a bag full of mixed grains, would know, this is wheat, this is rice, these are beans, these are sesame seeds. In this same way, one remains mindful from the soles of the feet to the top of the head, encased in skin. There is hair, nails, teeth, tendons, bones, marrow, organs, feces, phlegm, blood, urine, sweat, fat, tears, saliva, mucus, and fluid in the joints. In this way, one is mindful of the four elements, the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the wind element. The four elements that comprise a human being are eternal. They don't last. Be mindful of the impermanence of the body to develop this passion. If left unattended, a corpse quickly decays. It becomes bloated and infested. It is picked at by birds and dogs and other creatures. Eventually, nothing is left but dust. Be mindful that this very body too will die and pass away. This is the nature of the world an unavoidable fate. This is referencing the first noble truth. As a consequence of being alive, there is stress. Be mindful that this very body too will die and pass away. This is the nature of the world, an unavoidable fate. In this way, one remains mindful of the breath of the body, the in-breath and the out-breath. In this way, one remains mindful of the rising and passing away of the body, independent of and not clinging to anything in this world. This is how one remains mindful of the breath in the body. So, any questions on that section? Mm -hmm. We'll continue. Establishing the second foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of feeling. And how does how does one remain mindful of feelings in and of themselves? When feeling pain, be mindful that there is pain. When feeling pleasure, be mindful that there is pleasure. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain, ambivalent. Be mindful that there is neither pleasure nor pain. 
when feeling pain, the body, <clears throat> when feeling the pain of the body, be mindful that there is pain in the body. When feeling pain not of the body, a disturbance in the mind, be mindful that there is pain not of the body. When feeling pleasure in the body, be mindful that there is pleasure in the body. When feeling pleasure not in the body, an excitement in the mind, be mindful that there is pleasure not in the body. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain in the body, be mindful that there is neither pleasure nor pain in the body. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain not in the body, an excitement in the mind, be mindful that there is neither pleasure nor pain not in the body. In this way, one remains mindful of feelings and the arising and passing away of feelings, independent of and not clinging to anything in this world. In this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to feelings. This is how one remains mindful of feelings and about themselves. Your question is there? So it's not confining it all this in your mind all at once at this moment sitting. Uh, no, this is not this is not a an intellectual exercise. This has to do with what was the first thing that we started with? Directing our mindful attention towards the sensation of breathing. <clears throat> Matt, could you talk Once a little that bit happens? Please go on, Matt. So, when we direct our mindful attention to the sensation of breathing in the body, we are interrupting <clears throat> our clinging to the outside of distraction, sound, sights, touch, taste, all of those things are starting to come in. So, this is reference to internally and externally what we're mindful. Matt, could you talk a little bit? So it's not something that we're... I'm sorry, I keep thinking you're done. No, no, no. Do you need me to speak louder, John? No, I, I, I'm just, I mean, I was just anticipating that you were done, and I wanted to, I wanted to sneak in there. So I'll let you finish. <laughs> we have too many teachers in the room, or maybe too many teachers. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. What I, what I was going to finish what you're saying, and then if you could talk a little bit about the line, uh, be mindful of the body, be mindful of the feelings in and of themselves. What does that mean, in and of themselves? So, getting there, John. I'm getting there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so... This is not, like I said, this is not an intellectual exercise that we're doing. Like I'm, I'm curating these thoughts and I'm putting them in this box and I'm going to judge them and I'm going to analyze them and I'm going to look at them and I'm going to figure them out. This is being mindful of feelings in and of themselves. There is a feeling. There is a sensation that's arising and passing away somewhere in the mind. There is a disturbance in the mind, an excitement in the mind that is arising and passing away. I'm not analyzing it. I'm not figuring it out. I'm not wording it. 
It's just arising and passing away. Caffeine enters your body, caffeine leaves. Exactly. <laughs> and in the midst of it, caffeine has its way with fun. Is it arising and passing in mind or in the mind? It's arising and passing in mind. It's arising and passing in mind. When there's a feeling in the body that arises, it stimulates a thought in the mind. A thought in the body first. That doesn't matter. It's not important. It's just that there is sensation arising and passing away in the body. There is sensation arising and passing away in the mind. We call that the quality of mind. It's also arising and passing away. At the moment, I'm distracted by thought. I'm back to the sensation of breathing. This thing that happens, right? You hear my thoughts. And then all of a sudden, I'm like over focused on the patterns in my eyeball. <laughs> 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 you know, like the colors, and I would have a lot of visual stuff going on, but then to me, that's just going to be Those are what we that's call like bodily fabrication. Like, <laughs> <laughs> those are bodily fabrication. Yes. Those are, those are also impermanent phenomena arising and passing away. Yeah. So there, there is no meaning that we need yeah there's no specialness there's no meaning that we need to ascribe to it or to look for we're in the order of it it's uh it can happen in any one of those you may notice the quality of your mind you may notice your thoughts you may notice your feelings as you continue with this for for, for the point of this they're pretty much all the same they're all distraction unless we're returning to that breath which sort of interrupts or or paramount once we go back to the sensation of breathing in the body, all of that is second. that process of feeling thoughts at the big mind. So, like paying attention to the patterns that your eyeballs be interesting. Yes. Yep. When the mind always needs something to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. You know, I should say the mind is easily distracted by sensation, whether it's thought, whether it's feeling, whether it's emotion. It's it's constant. All of you are starting to notice the habits of attention. Is that something comes up and the mind wants to go? That's me. That's important. I need to know something about that. And. What do we do when that happens? We come back, we direct our mindful attention back to the sensation of breathing in the body. And as we do that, that return to our mindful attention on the sensation of breathing, we are gaining concentration. We're developing concentration. Yes, exactly. The word training is used because this takes training, training your mind.
all happens at that point of contact. That all these senses at the point of contact and then your reaction. That's where the practice also resides. Slow processing. Concentrations can be mindful. That's when you won't notice be distracted by the fluttering of your eyes. You'll just flutter. That brings back to sort of what John was saying in and of himself. There, there are discrete phenomena that are arising and passing away. And it's our attention that notices them or continues to attach to them or our attention can be brought back something in place of that. And that's to know what we're <coughs> heading, heading that direction. Good questions, guys. This is Yes. Yeah. 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 Do you have to recognize distraction? What kind of distraction, for example? Something distract you, you have to acknowledge its judgment, greed, or angry, and after this come back, or just distraction general, or come back to press? So, good question. So, everything that we're describing as distraction, whether it's a feeling, a thought, a sensation, an emotion, all of those things are what we're describing as distraction. And that's causing our attention to leave the sensation of breathing in the body and go towards colors, thoughts, lists, agendas, whatever. When we notice that we've left the sensation of breathing in the body with our mindful attention and we've gone towards following the distraction the thought which we're going to which we've tied already to the second noble truth which is craving and clinging we're going to return our mindfulness to the sensation of breathing in the body that starts to bring our attention back to what's occurring what's occurring is the breath and the body. Everything else is a self-referential fabrication. I'm adding myself to this distracted thought, to this distracted sensation, to this distracted feeling, to this distracted color, to this distracted sound. No problem. When that happens, no problem. We just return our attention to the sensation of breathing. Just say, okay. Hmm. Um, when I first started this, I had a friend told me a little bit about it. And I said, Well, I don't think you can do it. And I said, Well, can you breathe? If you can breathe, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because that, that's that's the thing is that, you know, and Dustin commented on this, it's sort of. 
it's got to be something more than just sitting here breathing, right? I've got to be doing something or figuring something out. Right? But it's the ego. It just right. it creates existence. Yeah. With any little thing that it can attach to, it's going to attach to. Yeah. And that's this practice is right. It's an absolute practice of building that concentration. So you can just, oh, okay. Back breath. In and of themselves. The breath of the body in and of itself, thoughts in and of themselves, feelings in and of themselves, so that, quality of mind in and of itself. That, that's what answered, answers Steve's question and the yeah. basis for our discussion right now is every, whatever occurs during meditation or off our cushion in our daily life that takes us away from what's occurring is a distraction which until a mind is has trained itself to not be distracted is, an, is a moment-by-moment moment occurrence. In other words, most human beings live their lives in a constantly distracted state, and then they wonder why they're so stressed out. They wonder why they have a monkey mind. Like most of you came to this, came to this practice probably because you were concerned about the quality of your mind in some way. Well, that's what we're doing. We're taking, we're taking actual control of our minds initially, and and building this this foundation on concentration. So again, what we're talking about is anything that takes us out of that is a distraction. Come back to the sensation of breathing. In and of itself means a dispassionate awareness of what's occurring. I'm having a feeling, not that my feelings, I, not that my feelings own me or that I own the feelings. It's just a consequence of having a human life. Human beings have feelings. Human beings have thoughts. Human beings attach thoughts to those feelings. That's called an emotion. All of that is fodder for distraction if we allow it. But it's also fodder, part of our Dhamma practice, if we'll choose that to be. When we notice we're distracted, no matter what it is, what Matt is making the point, he's making a very good point, we have to avoid, that's not the right word, Dhamma practice charges us with not being further distracted by wanting to figure out where our distraction is coming from. Analyzing feelings, analyzing thoughts, questioning whether I'm doing this right. There is none of that in jhana practice. In and of itself, I recognize I'm caught up in something. In and of itself, I don't judge myself. I come back to the breath. Jhana practice. So, thank you. Mindfulness of thoughts, establishing the third foundation of mindfulness. And how does one remain mindful of thoughts in and of themselves? When thoughts are passionate, be mindful that thoughts are passionate. When thoughts are dispassionate, be mindful that thoughts are dispassionate. When there are thoughts of aversion, be mindful that there are thoughts of aversion. When thoughts are free of aversion, be mindful that thoughts are free of aversion. When thoughts are deluded, be mindful that thoughts are deluded. When thoughts are free of delusion, be mindful that thoughts are free of delusion. How does one know delusion? Thoughts and actions that contradict the Eightfold Path are deluded. So this is what we had mentioned a little bit yesterday. For the purposes of this retreat, we won't get deeply into that. That's for another time. But the Eightfold Path is the path of practice or understanding. 
we have right view, right intention as the wisdom factors, right speech, right action, right livelihood are the virtuous factors, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation are the concentration factors. And there are besides observational aspects, there are real life decisions to make about life choices. The virtuous factors come with possible change. So change is hard to see sometimes, but fully practicing that has to be addressed. Not hold on, hope so. Or just walking around changes that have to be I think to continue with that with this retreat, you know, with Concentration factors sort of as focus changes that we're going to notice or changes that we're sort of addressing there in the way we think, the way we find ourselves, find our mind habitually engaged. Right? That's, that's, that's the deeper development. <clears throat> that, right? Buddha's words when the mind is constricted. Be mindful that the mind is constricted. When thoughts are scattered, be mindful that thoughts are scattered. When the mind is spacious, be mindful that the mind is is spacious. So this is asking us to really take responsibility for what's coming up in our minds, in our day, in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our body. Not just sort of autopilot through life, but actually to be mindful when there when the when the mind is constricted, when there is that sense of tension in the body and mind. Notice it, be aware of what's there. And when it's not there, be aware that it's not there. When the mind is spacious, be aware that the mind is spacious. Be mindful that the mind is spacious. When the mind is not spacious or constricted, be aware of it. We can't just push through life, our day, our inner life, by ignoring what's occurring. That's ignorance. That's what the Buddha talked about as the sole hindrance to awake. When thoughts are common, be mindful that thoughts are common. When thoughts are unsurpassed, be mindful that thoughts are unsurpassed. When the mind is not concentrated, be mindful that the mind is not concentrated. When the mind is concentrated, be mindful that the mind is concentrated. When the mind is not released, be mindful that the mind is not released. When the mind is released, be mindful that the mind is released. In this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to thoughts. So this takes us back into the practice of the Eightfold Path, particularly the concentration path. When we notice that the mind is not released, when we notice the mind is constricted, where's right speech? If my mind's constricted and my mind is not released, there's tension, and I ignore that and go into relationship with my speech, 
chances are I'm going to say something hurtful, say something um, uh, unskillful. So this is this is if we're if we're mindful that the mind is the quality of our mind is constricted, quality of our mind is not released, then we practice restraint. We don't say something. We don't get involved in, in some kind of uh, conversation or, or activity when our mind is tense, constricted, not released. That's okay. We, we don't have to say everything to everyone all the time. We can be quiet. We can hang out quiet. We don't have to get involved in every thought, word, and idea that pops up. Mindfulness of the present quality of mind. Establishing the fourth foundation of mindfulness. And how does one remain mindful of the present quality of mind in and of itself? One remains focused on the mind internally or externally, on the mind itself. One remains focused on the origination of the mind and the arising and passing away with regard to the mind itself. One knows there is a mind. Just like we know there is a body. They remain independent of and not clinging to anything in this world. This is how one remains mindful of thoughts and of themselves. That's the end of the sutra. So, briefly, I just want to go around and and talk to everybody and hear what everybody thinks about this. Mateos, you. Yeah, uh, thank you, Tom, for the class. Um, what I can tell is, like, I've seen pretty much, I can add something to say before, so uh, the sutta uh, taught me, like, to be present in everything I'm doing, but not to be obsessed with that. So just acknowledge that and uh, don't feel frustrated if, uh, oh, I get distracted to do that. This is like, okay, yes, I, I realize I'm aware to be distracted in that moment just come back and then probably a very a very banal reflection but you say we, we always have to come back to our breath or, or breath i never know how to pronounce in english which is breath or breath <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that's probably the only things that makes equal and the same every living being in our world is the breath if you think like we are different we are like tall, short, uh, skinny, fat, but the breath, we come back, is always there with us. No matter where we are, we go. Excellent. Thank you, Matt. And in that way, that's really a, a really good point, in that if, we, if we're really honest and if we really are paying attention, the breath in the body is happening on its own. We're not, we're not involved in that. We're just breathing. What happens when we go to sleep all night? We're breathing. What happens when we open our eyes? We're breathing. So me is not required for breathing. 
Because if we didn't breathe, we'd be dead. I'll just forget to do it. Well, and the, the breath the breath is the only human constant throughout our life in the midst of all this impermanence. It's the, it's really the only thing that we can rely on in, internally within ourselves. Thoughts won't do it because our thoughts are unconcentrated. And as Matt was describing, the breath is completely impersonal. Whether we like it or not, we have to breathe if we have a human life. And again, it's the only constant in our life. In that way, you could say the breath is is the true refuge that ties us into the refuge of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and our Sangha. When you realize the the simplicity of Siddhartha Gautama's brilliant mind, just to realize that one point, and then what you think what we've done with that simple meditation and direction, just be mindful of your breath, um, it it, it tells us something about how, how distracted we want to be. But yet, as we're learning right here, as Matt is, is really running this, this particular section wonderfully well, it's just this. It's just the breath in and of itself. There's nothing else here. We keep it simple. Right. Steve. <laughs> I think it's very good with Atom Wolf uh, uh, breathing process, otherwise we'd be forget to do it. Uh, and have question always. <laughs> Sorry. Um, can we be mindful on how Buddha described uh, Satipatthana Sutta? And we should come back to the breast even in a realistic life too. Daily life, in daily life. Yes, uh, when we're not on our cushion, when we're out in the world. Yes. Yes. So just just as the Buddha instructed us in the sutta, when when walking, be mindful of walking. When standing, be mindful of standing. When eating, defecating, carrying a bowl and robe, be mindful. So, and as John said, this. And Mateo said that the breath is there the whole time, all the time, regardless of whether we're standing in line at the grocery store, getting gas or petrol, whatever, you know, there's an opportunity for us to become mindful of life as it occurs. So it's not just on our cushion. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Yeah. Life is, is providing resources for practicing mindfulness. We're, we're driving in the car and somebody cuts us off. You know, we're, we're, we're at a, a sports event and our team loses. We're in a conversation with family. So these are all opportunities that life is providing for us to become mindful of what's occurring. Let's not lose sight of the fact, here I am again, uh, that mindfulness and concentration are two separate things. So mindfulness is a dispassionate awareness of what's occurring that is supported by concentration. So when the Buddha says be mindful of walking, it is 
in order to be mindful of just walking and not be walking and thinking about tomorrow or yesterday, I must have concentration. So the Buddha first teaches us, learn how to be concentrated. Concentrate your mind, and then you can be mindful when you're walking. Without they, And so your mind will be united in your body. And so when you're walking, you're not arguing with, with your boss tomorrow or, or thinking about the, the, a, a situation with your children a week from now because that's not being mindful when walking. This is what I'm doing. I'm walking. That's it. And it doesn't mean that when we're walking, we shouldn't be thinking of other things. It means that we should be mindful that we're walking thinking of other things. I'm on, uh, that might sound crazy, but that's an aspect of concentration. Our, our minds are made to be, to be supple, but well concentrated at the same time. And that's, that is the aspect of mindfulness that we're developing. So it, it, the way mindfulness, the reason why I'm saying this is the way mindfulness is presented today. It, it's always, um, it, uh, it's always conflated with concentration at the same time. And it's two that we have to recognize the Buddha taught concentration so that we could be mindful. Mindfulness doesn't precede concentration. Concentration precedes mindfulness. Concentration is the body in the world. And then we're able to develop mindfulness. That's a group. Did you hear that, Steve? Did you hear what Kevin said? Uh, can you repeat this for us, not for the uh, cliff? Yes, the, the concentration that we develop in our practice in jhana meditation is embodied in the world, and it gives us the opportunity to cultivate mindfulness appropriately with appropriate concentration. Uh, we're able to take that experience during our our sit and observe especially our thoughts and our minds throughout the day. Yes, I've got that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Laura? Um, so I just had a... Um, uh, and John, does that mean um, like an indifference to... Oh. say like our self-ego but not necessarily um you know indifference to others or a lack of concern for others yeah. um you know still cultivating i guess equanimity yes it's an important question and it's something that comes up especially in the beginning that it feels like we that it, we, we're, we're cultivating indifference or or a, a uh, a definite detachment from the world, but but it really is the opposite of that. It's our less than concentrated mind and lack of, of refined mindfulness that takes us out of what's occurring. And so as we develop concentration and, and this refined mindfulness, we're simply present for our life as our life unfolds, which means that we're also present with the other people in our lives. So it seems it seems almost dichotomous at first, but it's only because you haven't had that experience of, of true presence with, with your own life. And again, remember, Laura, we're not looking for an external experience, meaning um, being distracted from, am I present for this person? We first become present with ourselves, and then we can be present with other people. It happens, as again, as Matt is describing, it mm -hmm. first happens, all of this happens 
on our cushion. And then, and I think you've heard me say, maybe not you, Laura, but most have heard me say that jhana meditation is both the practical experience of awakening and a metaphor for awakening. So that, that presence that we're developing on our cushion, we take it off our cushion into our moment-by-moment life. Uh, and, and then each and every moment is brilliant simply because we're present for it. Each and every moment is peaceful. Each and every moment is um, present for each and every moment of other people's lives because we brought ourselves to this place. Does that does that make sense? Does that help? It helps a lot. Thank you. Well, thanks for the question. You might call me Matt. Yeah. So Laura mentioned it and it's come up in the conversation and um, even in a chat before. And um, maybe it's related to this, but it's the whole concept of ego. And I'm, I'm curious how you and or John might address the point. Like, is does ego get in the way of mindfulness or is it a complement to mindfulness? I'm struggling with that. Maddie. Good question. Um, I don't want it. You take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get very into this throughout this weekend as well. But it's really self identification with phenomena that comes through thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations. That's what gets in the way of mindfulness. When I leave what's actually occurring, which is the breath in the body, and start getting involved in what my experiences are, what my thoughts mean, what this feeling means, those are things that are getting in the way. Those are, that's a self-referential thought loop. So I'm, I'm just like we had talked about earlier about judging thoughts or judging feelings. So we've, we've left our mindfulness and gone into a narrative about a feeling or a thought. So that feeling or a thought, I've self-identified with. I'm saying that that thought is me. That's mine. That's who I am. And when we've done that, we've we've lost our mindfulness. Ego is on a thought. Yeah. Yeah. And this on a subject to a permanence. Yeah. This is something else that that. Yes, this is something else that could, that contradicts our own conditioned thinking. We're we're taught to be enamored with our ego. Even the use of the word ego um, is uh, overemphasizing its importance. As far as Dhamma practice is concerned, the ego is a construct. It's a fabrication. And a simple way of describing that is, is again in our in jhana meditation, what distracts me is my thoughts of what's happening to me. That that me is the construct. That me is the ego. It's the fabrication. If it wasn't, it wouldn't it wouldn't lead to the distraction. It would simply be the it, a human being free of an ego is again simply a reference point to what's occurring. It's a liberated human being. So the ego is something that the Buddha would describe as a confining place. And as a construct within our mind, it certainly is a confining place because then we're trying to shape reality to fit this narrow view of an ego. And, e- and, and, and the simplest way to, to say it is the best thing to do with an ego is to abandon it. 
because it's a conditioned way of looking at the world. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call Bamboo House now to make sure they got room for all of you. All right. Thanks, Don. Tom, does that make sense to you? Yeah, piece of cake. And it would be wonderful to have that all the time. It's very difficult. So it's hard to have it in our daily lives. There's something to strive for. Thank you.
is I know number one is determined. It's not number one. Period. The period. I know it's important. I know it's going to pass. But if I don't let it pass, it will not pass. I will. So that is the practice. And the first thing that counts is the recognition. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. And that's what I learned last night and today. <laughs> Those things happened to me. Oh, that's I mean, really, really learned that. Really yeah. understood that. Good. Thank you. And, and Becky, Good. you're pointing out the, the fourth foundation of mindfulness. You know, you said be, we learn to be peaceful with an agitated mind. That's it, it, another way of saying that is we learn to be at peace with less than peaceful mind states. That's an awakened human being. It's not the absence of any kind of um, uh, experience in human life that we wouldn't see um, uh, as a challenge because that, that would be uh, detached from life, isn't it? We're able to be fully present for even moments in life that in the past might have seemed unpleasant and and um, not something we want to experience, where now we're simply pre- pre- present with it. And it doesn't mean we strive after after stress and suffering, but we're at peace with it. It's simply just another part of life. You know, we're, We learn to be at peace with a less than peaceful quality of mind. That's the fourth foundation of mindfulness. That supports that awakened quality. Well, well said, Becky. Okay, John, I'll see you at lunch. Bye. <laughs> uh, Jay, just so you know, Kara's not there. She might be there later, but they have room for, for I said you might be 13 to 15 of you showing up. They said, come on down. So you're good Dinner, to go. John? Oh, you know what I did? I forgot. I called Bamboo House and not, not the Lovin' Oven. <laughs> uh, let me call Love and Oven, and I'll 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 take care of it. I'll 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 get back online if there's any problem going down to Love and Oven. So much for a concentrated mind again.
When your mind's not agitated, be mindful that your mind's not agitated. And yeah, there, there's nothing personal about an agitated mind unless you make it personal. Unless you make yourself wrong for having an agitated mind. An agitated mind is a, is a completely human experience, isn't it? Yes. No, yes. no reason to take it personal. Dustin even brought that up last night about, you know, he used the word lunatics to describe the world. And I don't think that's too harsh of a word most of the time, at least. And, you know, we, we, again, this concentration allows us to be disentangled from all of that. While, while again, getting back to what Laura said, we're disentangled from the lunat- lunacy of the world, but we're, we're completely immersed in it because we don't need it to be any different or ourselves to be any different in, re- in response to it. And by the way, we're good at uh, Love and Oven. Um, and, and, we're, and we're good at Bamboo House. So. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say that's where the gentleness comes in. Yes. I was so horrible to myself for so many years. I just have to find like, yeah, not real. And I don't have to be mean. Like, we can't fight ourselves. Like, that's the silliest thing. So just, just, just be okay. I know that sounds nice. It took me a lot of practice, but it's, it's a, you can recognize that. Well, that's what Matt pointed out to me was that um, the habit of your thinking or that of your attention, my habit of attention is self-hatred or, you know, like wrong, being wrong, always being wrong. Yeah, and that applies to the practice too from, from everyone in this room. Being gentle with yourself as you undertake this practice, as you undertake meditation practice and concentration practice. This this is this is not easy stuff. It's not easy to sit for half an hour. That's why we, we bring up this thing for a while to do. Yeah. It takes practice. Put time in. Now, there's no telling how much time it takes. Is there. Yeah. And the word liberation is just so powerful. 
and that's the thing. I, I've heard everyone say this at different times, but especially today, Dustin, especially you, you notice that when you brought your mindful attention back to the sensation of breathing, there was calm. There was liberation from another moment caught up in and that's auspicious. That's yeah. auspicious. And it, it should be pointed out that what Mary just read on the board, the potential for liberation, uh, it, we, the, the potential is always there in each and every moment. The opportunity for awakening is presented through the Eightfold Path. That's, what, that's what's on the board there in, the, in that room. That's what it means. So we all have the potential. And we also now here have the means to do it. You know, and again, we're, we're, and we're establishing that strong foundation this weekend. It's remarkable. It, the, the level of all of your, I said this last night, of your sharing and your understanding, uh, including, I guess, our newest member is, is Laura, is really remarkable. You know, and, I, and again, I, I attribute that to your great teachers, but it, it, really, it really reflects the uh, simplicity and directness of the Dhamma. Anybody who, who comes to this Dhamma, like Laura, with, with an open mind and, and an eagerness to learn it, you you really get it rather quickly, don't you? You know, I I can tell Laura that you're you're getting a, a you're understanding what we're talking about, and and uh, I, to me that that shows me the 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 profound efficacy of of this man's dhamma. It's still working twenty six hundred years later. to establish a practice, daily practice, sit in the morning, sit in the evening, join a sangha, read a little bit, find a space that's quiet, you can't find a root of the tree, I find my daughter's empty room. And how many Thank you, everybody, for sitting here for a long class. That was a long class. Um, thank you, everybody online. Fantastic. Uh, excellent concentration demonstrated by all here. Yeah. Um, so we're going to break. We'll, we'll be having lunch, and then our next session will be at 2 p.m. Evan will be leading that. Um, John, anything else? No, it's just a, an outstanding class, Matt. Thank you so much. It really was. I was anticipating this since I laid out the schedule, and, and you didn't disappoint me. You didn't disappoint this old meditator. So, And all of you. So again, just, just remarkable. I, I'm, uh, I know it might sound a strange way. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you.
Peace.